What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the In This League Fantasy Podcast Network. In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Online at inthisleague.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Interact and follow the show on Twitter at InThisLeaguePod. Now, here's your hosts, Bogman and the Welsh. Well, hello, friends, and welcome in. This is the In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. On the episode today with your dear friends, Chris Welsh, that's me. Scott Bogman, that's, that's him. me. We have the one. We have the only. Paul Spore coming down on the podcast box. Yeah, love shows with Spore. This is going to be a fun one. Yep, we should get two questions in, and that should fill about an hour. That should fill just <laughs> just shy of a of an hour ski. We should. If you've be able never to get heard in. us or Paul, uh, you know, uh, talk talk together. It's um, Paul can go off on tangents, and then we just uh, walk right down that road with him. Okay, so. right now, setting the over under of Paul cusses is at three and no. a half. I'm setting it at three and a half. That's the over. I'm going to set it at none. He's not cussing. We're not allowing it anymore. Well, no, so. no, we're not going to. We're not going to stop him. But I'm setting it. Take your bets. Three and a half. I'm going to take the under. What say you? Well, if you're going to tell him, I'm not. I'm not going to say a thing. I promise you, we won't say anything about the cussing. We won't even mention it. This is just between us girls here. We are going to set the over under early bets at the start of the show. It's three and a half is the number on the cusses. Well, Paul's been known to just drop seven at the end uh, just to annoy me. So, I mean, I don't know what you're saying. taking. I guess over. I'm taking the over. Yeah, I, I, I think the number's three. So that's what I'm going to go with. We're going to have, uh, we'll have fun. Talk about all the latest that's going on. Paul's had some good articles and we're actually going to take, um, you know, just take kind of like a shift on some of the stuff he's he's done. And, you know, we're just bring we're going to bring some uh, Paul Spore uh, sensibility to the podcast. Things that Paul likes to talk about. Uh, but we do have news and notes. We do have things we've got to talk about. First and foremost, I mean, good night, sweet prince. Jordan Alvarez on the IL and potentially done for the season. It's a big, important thing. We talked a whole lot about it. So we got to talk, obviously, about our sweet prince, uh, Jordan Alvarez. Prospects are assembling in a bunch of new news. So the episode should be as Paul Spore and the kids, even though I think Paul's older than us, but Paul and the kids would say it should be lit. That's what they Paul's would definitely say. not older than us. We're older than Paul. Mm, I'm I'm almost 100. percent I don't on that. think so. I think he's. I think we're gonna find out. I, okay, over under on how older. I think he's two years <laughs> older than us. I don't think he is. He doesn't act older than us. I think he's two years younger than mm, us. Do, okay, uh, I think you're getting mixed up. Here's a great question: Who perceptually is more immature, us or Paul? 
I think it's Ooh, us. Like we're dumber. Yes, like Paul's smart. Well, Paul at least has some type of thing going for him. You know, working for a real, uh, you know, a real website and all yeah. that good stuff. No, it's so. you know what? Great point. He actually has like a career. He's respected. He has a great podcast. He does have a good tie game where ESPN will occasionally have him on. And what do we have? I, I got to be honest. If I had to wear a tie tomorrow, I'm pretty sure I have to go buy one. So uh, I, I have one. I, I have one, but uh, here is the problem. Don't know how to tie it. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, can't tie either. it. Nope. I mean, you can YouTube. That, that that's doesn't that work. Doesn't work for me. You know what? My entire life has been yelling at people about people like, oh, I don't understand how to do this. I'm not saying you, Bogman, but I mean, I've done this yeah. with you, but I'm not. That voice isn't for you. It's for every Sounds other person. Sounds like you're describing <laughs> no, no, it's not much to a T right no. at this second. You know, to be fair, everything that we've ever gone through that I've helped, like I've said, you need to learn or you should learn. I'm not your boss. I don't need to. But like I've walked through with you if I know how to do it. I don't I'm not like here's a oh, I was about to cuss. Here's a video. Here's a effing video and go and learn it. But everybody else. YouTube has taught me so much. For some reason, tie tying doesn't click. I have gone into professional, because I work in a professional scope. I have had grown men tie my tie, and I just don't care anymore. Like, as I, embarrassing as it could it be, I don't care. I will let another grown man tie my tie, and I will move on with my life not being pissed off because <laughs> I couldn't do the tie. I, um, I, uh, when I first worked at the grocery store, I decided I wasn't going to buy one of their stupid shirts and I was going to wear, you know, a button up shirt with a stupid tie every day. Ooh, and I did that rules. for about a week and then I was like, how much of those shirts? Give me one of them shirts. I'm not going to do this anymore. This is stupid. Yeah. So I knew how to tie a tie for like maybe a month. And then after that, it was, nope, I'm going to wear this stupid fry shirt. Yeah, I think fine. the big point here is like it, as much as people can be like, hey, Paul's playing video games and stuff. He's just better than us in pretty much every respect. So. Good for him, but we'll find out. I do think he's older. That might be one thing that we have going for us. We might be a little bit younger, even though it doesn't seem sure. like it. Okay, well, we got two bets, uh, so place yeah, your bets we'll, there. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it all out. Hey, if you guys want, if you want to have one thing going for us, you can come and support us over at Patreon. It's our In This League, inthisleague.com, where we've got all the stuff and things. It's just Bogman and I. It's just a couple guys being guys, hanging out, you know, talking with the bros, doing yeah, some lists. Yep. Doing some secret shows, putting secret the shows, putting the industry on blast. Yeah, doing the putting the industry on blast. Uh, All saying, uh, NFL rankings too for those of you that want to play. Uh, you know, in fantasy football leagues, we've got PPR, half point PPR, IDP, Dynasty, all that good stuff. Superflex. It. It's all just a couple guys being dudes. That's all that it right. is here. So you want to uh, support your boys? We would appreciate that. Go to inthisleague.com. It'll take you to our Patreon. Sign up today. You can get access to. All the stuff in the things. New prospect uh, just dropped a prospect list a couple days ago, and September first will be the next one. And actually, I think one thing I'm going to be adding to it is I'll finally have a early look on some of the 2021 prospects. I did a nice. little uh, little d- diving, little deep dive the other day when I had some time. Not that like anybody gives a crap about that right now. We're all just like clenching to be like, let the season end. You know, can we get the whole season in? Like we're clenching to make sure we can continue doing that. But, you know, we're trying to stay uh, in front of the game. So come and check us out if you will. News and notes. Let's go now.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says in this league. Hey, Farva, what's the name of that restaurant you like with all the mozzarella sticks? In this league. Good night, sweet prince. As I said, oh. All the all the people, the crying in the streets, Bogman, as they lost their one and only Jordan Alvarez. We spent, I don't know, 20 minutes in the last episode screaming about it. By the way, Curlin got in my DMs, and he was like, ooh, I started something. I'm like, nah, you just got us to uh, in conversation. And then I had to well, do the what? reiteration, because I think, like, I forget, like, I can be brass, but I try to do it in a loving way, that I was like, I wasn't, like, picking on you, by the way. He's like, oh, no, no, I know. And I'm like, okay, just, you know, know that I like conversation, whether I agree or not. And uh, we turned the Fatty Vlad conversation into a dynasty talk on Jordan Alvarez. Injuries, and uh, now Dusty says that uh, Sweet Prince is out for the year. And, and I like uh, I like sounding prophetic, and I definitely did, if you listen to the last episode about Jordan Alvarez and, and, and all of this stuff. I said, not only does it lower his value for this year, which obviously he has no value this year anymore, but uh, it, it should lower him in dynasty leagues a bunch. Uh, I mean, uh, it, the dude is 22 and missing a whole year. That's got to dip him uh, a bunch, right? In dynasty. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Yes. He's going to drop a little bit in value. Like, Okay, so something I thought was interesting about it was Ray Butler, a friend of mine from Prospects 365, he kind of did one of those tweets where he was just like, everyone's going to overreact, and it's like a four-part tweet, but it essentially was like, let everybody overreact, and then swoop in all the cheap shares of Jordan Alvarez, which, if that's the case, I completely agree with. So yes, his dynasty value is going to be affected, and where I think like Ray might have been like, yeah, oh, people are going to worry so much about the knees. And he, he kind of insinuated that, like, he's not. Because he, he, I think he even said they're going to overreact about the knees. I think, I don't agree with that. I do agree with if the, if the, the, uh, if he drops in the value, you should consider getting low and dropping some low ball offers to buy Jordan Alvarez. But I don't agree with what he said that, the, it's just everyone's going to overblow the knee thing because you should be concerned because he's a big dude and he's allegedly 22 years old and he's mm-hmm. already got like knee problems. I'm not like that might not get better immediately. It might. And you shouldn't overreact. You shouldn't. I will not plummet him in my rankings. You will not see him fly down the board. I think I told you I've got him around like 30 right now or somewhere in there. I'm not going to drop him to like 60 or 70. I might drop him a couple more notches because you now lost this year and that knee thing should be built in as a concern. It absolutely should. So I think you need to find a middle ground between the people that are going to be like, oh man, take advantage of all the value. Jordan Alvarez is going to be amazing. And you should build that into like those knees. You should take both of those in. So if I have him, I'm not trading him for less than let's let's call it probably 90, per, 90 cents on the dollar actually. Yeah. And I mean, he's still 23, right? So you can't, you can't sell cheap. No, I understand that. No, but- his overall value does have to go down because he's 22 and has already missed, you know, let's not even call this a whole season. 
let's call it a half season, right? Even though it sounds like he was not going to be ready for spring training. And as soon as he did come back, he went right back out. But if he has to have some major knee surgery for this, that's not that's going to set him back, especially with his body. Type well, just do it now going though. into next. Season. Well, I would hope if that's true, you just do it right now, though. Like it, it can all be fine. It's just one of those things where I'm really torn on it, because like I said, I firmly disagree on being someone that's like, oh, let these losers just care about the knees and take advantage, because I think that's I think that's kind of silly because at his age and whatnot. But. What is going for him is he can be a DH and he still is young to have a lot of good years ahead of him because he is a great talent. So I just think you need to find a little bit of the middle ground. I'll be honest with you. If I own Jordan Alvarez, doubt I'm selling him because everyone's going to want to do that low ball offer. I'm probably more apt to buy him right now if I can find the cheap person than I am to sell him because I'm telling you, if I want 90 to 95 cents on the dollar, we're still talking about. You know, I probably want like a t- at least a top 50 player and then some, you know, you're not going to get me trading. You know, I'm not going to trade Jordan Alvarez for like Mike Moustakis and Brad had to win this year. I'm not going to do yeah. some stupid, ridiculous move like that. Like if I'm doing it, it's going to be based around someone that helps me for a long, long time. Or if, if I'm close, I suppose you could consider an all balls out, like give me a really high end pitcher that's older, like, a you know, a granky. And then two more pieces that help now to trade away. I guess you could do that's that. That's what I'm kind of thinking. Like, like uh, that. That's more the range because I think with a 23 year old power hitter who was so insanely good last year, uh, I think you're not trading him for a vet starting pitcher in most scenarios. But now that he is a 23 year old uh, power hitting, uh, you know, uh, DH who's n- looks like could have potential injury problems throughout his career, I think he becomes a little more expendable in that way, right? Of where if I'm, if I can win now, this is where I can make this move and feel okay about it versus where you're not trading him at all. You know know, what a really interesting move on him before a really interesting move to me would be something like, you know, the, a win now team, or I guess this would be like a, a team that's out of it trading, an older-ish good pitcher. I'm not saying crazy old, but... Uh, all right, let me throw this at you. I'd like to throw this. Frankie Montas and Joe Adele. Like, Joe Adele has struggled. A lot of people are dumping out I on Joe Adele. i do that in a heartbeat. Okay, it's but not, I think... I don't even think that's remotely close to a ridiculous trade for Jordan Alvarez right now that... Um, I think it's dicey for people. I think it's dicey for people. And, you know, honestly, in a year, you could regret trading Jordan Alvarez for those two. But, like, that's the type of trade you should be looking for it, if it you're really talent. concerned. Who's the pitcher? I'm sorry. Frankie Montas. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, so. either way, redraft, uh, probably done for the year from Dusty. And you wouldn't uh, trade Jordan Alvarez straight up for Joe Adele? Um, no. No, no, no. Okay. No. It's I'm closer. It is closer. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think you have to count in Joe Adele's struggles a little bit. Like, I want to see he's hitting the ball harder. Did hit like a he hit like a single at a shortstop. It was like a hundred and fifteen mile an hour single on the infield. So like, he hits it really hard. He j- it just needs to start to click. And- I just think that Joe Adele's struggles that he's had in the big so far are not concerning compared to Jordan Alvarez's knee injury. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think there's plenty of guys that come up and struggle and then they get it right and they're okay. There are plenty of guys that come up and just 
never make it. I mean, yeah. you, the, you have to, that has to be within the realm of possibility for both of these guys, of course. But for me, you know, fat DH with bad knee problems versus a uh, stud that's having difficulty at the plate in his first time in the bigs. I'm going with See, that. That's the I'm type of trade that, that I, like, cause I feel like if I had Jordan Alvarez, which I don't, and people were trying to get him off me, they would be sending me like dual prospect moves. You know, they, they would, no one would want to give me a Julio or a Franco or anything like that. They'd be trying to pawn off like, you know, Adley Rutschman and then a pitcher like every loser does in dynasty. It's always about trading 12 pitchers and, and it's, it's obnoxious, but I get it. Like we have to do it sometimes. Yeah. Sean, I'm going to just instant reject that. Then it gets, di- it gets a little bit different. If people start to be like, Hey, I'd give you, you know, Julio Rodriguez and another really good prospect. Okay. Then you're kind of, we're starting to talk here, but another interesting level would be what we just said, like a productive youngish pitcher, like a, um, a Montas, or maybe it could be a Max Fried or something like that. And then you sh- throw in a guy like Joe Adele, who's underperforming, but is seen as from by most people's a top prospect. He's just cooling on people. But for me, Adele his pitch rack is still poor-ish, but when he hits it, he's hitting it really hard. He actually got it. He stole a base the other day, but he went so hard in that he came <laughs> off of it. He he flew past the base and got caught. It would have been an easy stolen base for him. So he's being aggressive, and I think it's going to turn. I just don't know if it'll turn this year, but those are the type of things to sit here and talk about when you're talking about Alvarez, especially if you are a concerned person. But just don't overreact on both sides of it. I think that would be my big thing. And as like Ray had said and some other people, take advantage when you can take advantage of the people that go nuts and just want out, and you can drop a low ball off or go pick them up but he is done for the season. Uh, Bogman is never going to run again. I'm worried about your physical health. It's feet up because it's feet up and eat White Castle all day long. The Arizona um, Diamondback. It's back. This is back to COVID. Bogman. God doesn't want Bogman to run because the Diamondbacks are winning again. Bogman refuses to work six, out unless the Diamondbacks lose, and they'll never lose that's again. Right. Uh, six straight wins for the D-backs, even with uh, the rotation being a little bit uh, junky. Luke Weaver. Looked better yesterday. I wasn't, uh, J- our boy Jag hit me up. He's like, did Luke Weaver actually look good today or was this kind of lucky? And I was like, well, I didn't, uh, it was on during this, the Rockets first playoff game. So I wasn't watching too much of it. And I was more concerned with the D-back scoring nine runs in the first two innings yesterday. So speaking of Frankie Montas, by the way, um, but uh, yeah, they look real good right now. They're on a, a nice little you know, got the bats going in Colorado, and uh, it's coming around right now. So yep. no running for me. No, I like I, it. You're never going to run again. This is a little late, and we just I'll, haven't talked about it on the show. Yeah, I'll so. be, but I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't want to talk about it because of how much it turned. But it really is fascinating what happened with the Tati stuff and the three O count. Um, it, this okay. So this is one of those things that happens, Boggs. I immediately had a long tweet thread not a long but i had like a couple tweets about this the second it happened because i was watching it all live and then when i saw the the comments from uh woodward about like you know ah he shouldn't swing and then you get the gm in there and i it was embarrassing hearing the comments of tatis you know on that 3-0 um you know the 3-0 count and he hits the grand slam and i tweeted about it but like within two hours i literally hated the topic because there were 400 million takes on it. Like, I was happy because I jumped in quick, and I thought what I said made sense, but then it was two days straight of the Tati stuff. Everybody's got an opinion, you know? Yeah, but it just became, like, 
boring and old and like there's actually you know what I completely forgot about this we will talk about this a little bit with Spore because Spore got in got no he didn't get in it but he was going back and forth with Phil Hughes because Phil was one of the people really and I gotta be honest with you because I I, like Phil has a whole card business now like Phil's polls and he's probably one Mm -hmm. of the more popular guys in the space you know former Yankees pitcher and whatever the hell else and um I like Phil a lot but his take was really bad, and it was really like 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 one of my tweets. I Tired did instantly. Old man take. Well, one of my inst- my instant reactions when I did th- I did this long like this is lame. Baseball's stupid for this nonsense. Like you know, uh, like I did like one of those quotes. Like uh, it's not fair. You can't swing at this. And then I posted under. I said, by the way, you don't think Bill Belichick every single game isn't trying to put a fifty burger up on teams and and what phil did was he started to be like you know hey i love tatis and stuff but you know there's unwritten rules in other sports and then he started to try to use football and be like well teams don't run it up and and spore really went at it in a great way because phil was trying to use how teams will like run down the clock and it's like dude that has nothing to do with that like you're running down the clock still attempting to score you're not like it's it's not the same thing there's no clock in baseball if you're up seven runs you're just up seven like the the correlation of saying the unwritten rule in football is to not run up the team clock management so you take the ball out of the other team's hands so they can't score is not the same as not swinging at a 3-0 fastball and piling on runs it's just not the, like more a more apt one would have been if a team in the third quarter was up 35 and they knelt at the two yard line on an on a wide open touchdown and they just knelt down to not score or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it was just a weird thing. So we could talk to Paul about that, but um, I just, it, it became so tired so quick and baseball was so ridiculously stupid about it, but I 100% ordered, I'm not going to say who's, but 400 million people made a Fernando Tatis type of shirt and a different version. I'm telling you there are at least 30 different versions from companies of some version of it to take advantage of the shelf of the shirt market. But I did bite on one and it's not one that anyone's probably going to think of. Ah, Picture list right. made one. I didn't bite on theirs. Not that theirs wasn't good, but like every, that was the other thing that actually made me annoyed again, not at picture list, but like, you know, this happened and then it got tired. And then the next day there were no less than 15 different shirts out there. Uh, about Tatis and not swinging and stuff. And I was like, all right, I mean, make your money. That's what I, I count. And I, I did, uh, like I said, I bought one. <laughs> I, I, there should just be one that says, uh, unwritten rules. There are none. There probably it's is. Stupid. It, I mean, there's probably a shirt just like that. And that might've been one of like the, like Roto. I mean, everybody you expect Roto wear did one picture list did one, uh, barstool had one. There was like four or five others that I saw. It was just, I guess it's getting drowned is my big take out of this. Like there, there was a point to all the conversation, but like, okay, we get it. Everyone hates the unwritten rules. This is tired and old. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I'm being lame about it because like I got my opinion out and then now that I'm seeing everybody else's, it's annoying, but I did it like instantly. And then when I saw, but everybody else was probably doing the same thing. I'm just being old crotchety. I mean, but but you know, I don't do Twitter too much, and I saw a million people talking about it. It just like like, within 24 hours, Boggs. It was there's shirts, there's opinions, everybody's talking about it. Uh, Chris Russo's. I mean, it it is the only conversation piece, and then it, it is either sharing your opinion or sharing your shirt. And I was just like, okay, like let's focus. I anything else. 
Like someone, someone got COVID. Well, let's move away from it now and let's talk about these prospects that came up because that seems like way more fun. Yeah, prospects did assemble. Uh, actually, I'm a, I wish we were doing this later, and I might even potentially, if I get to watch some of it, do a little cut in. But a couple Tigers prospects got the call up. Uh, Tariq Skubal pitched on Tuesday. Casey Mize is pitching on Wednesday. You guys already know the outcome. And Jesus, we're doing this before Spore. Uh, we're going to have Spore on before Casey Mize is in. Tariq Skubal, not good. I don't know if you watched any of it. He went uh, two innings, gave up seven hits, four earned runs. He gave up a homer to Tim Anderson, who absolutely welcomed him to the big leagues. I think it was Tim Anderson. And uh, he had one strikeout, one K. Skubal just didn't have anything going. He's got great stuff, but... Um, none of his off-speed stuff was doing anything, so they were just sitting on his fastball, and they were just pounding out the fastball. He wasn't throwing for strikes, but he's, he's got great presence. He's got really, really good stuff, and he is exciting. And But I don't think he's just a pickup for now. Uh, he might even be cheap for Dynasty. Casey Mize is going to come up, probably going to control the game better, going to be less of a strikeout option. I still don't know how much I absolutely love him for the rest of the season, but he's probably better than Nate Pearson. And then the other prospect that is assembling is Christian Pache is up because Nick Markakis, I guess, was exposed and could potentially have COVID. So they put him on a restricted list after he opted back in. And Pache is uh, going to be playing for the Braves. I saw a report for the foreseeable future, which I hope. Uh, amazing defender. He's got some speed. He's got some power. I think he's going to struggle early to make a ton of contact, but he'll get it together. Um, but I just don't know if he'll get it together in this first run, but yeah, those are your prospects. And who knows how long he stays up, you know, how long Markakis is going to miss and all that stuff. But he was getting a little run when Markakis initially opted out and then he didn't make the roster and everyone was like, okay, I guess we're done with him. And now that Markakis came back and is out again, now Pache comes up. So just kind of weird how everything works. He got a little bit of run before the season. And then, uh, you know, now that Markakis, opted out and then came back in and then got exposed to COVID. Now Pache's up. You know, it is funny. Like the the pass that's being given, there's a lot of prospects struggling. Like Dylan Carlson is struggling right now. And I love how everybody focuses on uh, Joe Adele and how people are like, not like Joe Adele. And then one go off of Joe Adele's glove. Well, it was a stupid, it was a stupid, they gave him a free run error on that too, by the way. Yeah, I know it was for Nick Solak, but like, Everybody focuses on Joe Adele struggling, but Dylan Carlson is struggling. And Eno had pointed out, which is an interesting conversation, how Dylan Carlson has seen so far the least amount of fastballs. But this is the same exact thing that happened with Kyle Lewis and with Luis Robert earlier this year, prospects. And it's a pretty, like, common thing. Like, it, like, like Eno's point, and it's, to be fair, it might be correct, that like, hey, this is a lot of respect that Dylan Carlson's been giving, but I've seen it like pretty standard that teams are just not pumping fastballs to prospects and they're going heavy off speed to see if they can start hitting it. And the guys that are 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 not making that contact are struggling. Dylan Carlson struggling, and that's the that what I'm building to is like I don't think Christian Pache is going to come out the gates. He'll probably hit a homer now that I said this. Now that you're listening, <laughs> but like. I just don't think there's a crazy heavy investment in a lot of these prospects right now. But Boom, Boom is, um, you know, he's continuing to rock with it. And he's a pretty good off-speed hitter who's also not trying to hit for power and doesn't press. So uh, just beware, I guess, is my big sample I'm giving you here from the prospects. As they assemble, assemble, they are very exciting. You should be very cautious about prospect pitchers right now. And if it's even a 
semi-difficult matchup, don't play them. You shouldn't have played Scooball versus the White Sox. If Mackenzie Gore gets the call soon, which there was a lot of hope on Tuesday where Adrian Morion got the start that Gore would be coming up, I'm probably not starting Gore. Just be careful. You know, Nate Pearson is trash right now. He is completely falling apart. He's on the IL right now. He's a dump in redraft. There's no reason to hold on to him. So I would be most cautious about hitters, or I'm sorry, pitchers, and I would proceed with caution on the hitters. And um, guys like Luis Garcia and Bohm have have benefited from this early on with a lot of lineup protection, but guys that might be getting a little bit more aggressive like Carlson and Adele are seeing some struggles. So don't yeah. react too quick and go dump really, really good players out there. People probably are dumping guys. You know, I wouldn't have been shocked if someone was like, yeah, Yaz has been good, but I'm going to drop you Strimsky to pick up uh, Dylan Carlson. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do not do that. So, Please don't do that. Uh, Luis Robert also um, got hit on the hand, the Welsh, but the x-rays were negative for him. Yeah. So uh, any any concern there? I mean, he loves probably to hurt his hand. It. A day or two. It's his right? favorite. It's his favorite thing on the planet. He hurt his hand sliding uh, in 2018. I think he did it again in the spring training in 2019. Maybe it was 17 and 18. But he hurts his hand a lot, and he did this on a sliding catch. I don't know. I don't think so. He was tapering down. He was struggling, making crazy contact, but he's still hitting it really hard. And I think he was just leveling out. So I'm not. I'm not insanely concerned about Luis Robert. He'll probably just miss a couple games. Rick Renneria also said that they're optimistic Yasmany Grandal is going to be able to return by the end of the weekend. He uh, he pulled up lame with a back issue and has been out. James McCann has been in there. Um, did we, I thought we already talked about this, but maybe it was just... No, the, I mean, it wasn't official the last show we recorded. Well, Kirby, so. yeah, Kirby Yates got hurt and was going on the IL, but it's now been confirmed that he's going to miss a season because he's having a season-ending surgery on his right elbow. But I don't know if you yeah, saw bone this. bone chips in there. But here's what's even more concerning. We spent all this time talking about, and I still believe it, Drew Pomeranz, as, let's reiterate it, as the full-time closer, might be a top-five option on the year. But they brought him in in the seventh. And then they went to Emilio Pagan, and then Cal Quantrill got the save the other night. But I think someone brought it up. I think that was a bullpen day for the Padres, wasn't it? Where uh, they pitched with the bullpen. Well, yeah, I think that was a Morion start. That was actually Morion only went like, what did he, I think two innings. So, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a good point. And and they they used uh, Pomeranz in the leverage spot. I think he faced, it was either like, you know, two, three, four, or one, two, three in the lineup. So, they kind of, you know, three innings for Morion. Guerra didn't even get out of an inning. Salmon came in for two. Patino for one. Pomeranz for one and a third. Pagan for one and a third. And then, like you said, Cal Quantrill got the last out because Pagan uh, walked two guys. So I, I'd still um, say, though, that there, there should be a concern because even if, okay, to your point, it's yeah. a bullpen day. If one out of every four starts is a bullpen day, that takes away an, that could take away, you know, maybe right. 15% of save opportunities. So I think at best now you're going to Pomeranz is still probably a top 10 closing option in all of its garbageness, but he might be similar to like a hater from years past where it's like, yeah, he'll get some save opportunities. Maybe sometimes they're going to throw him in high leverage because Pagan right. could do it. And I mean, okay, Cal Quantrill. Jesus Christ, maybe they're going to bring McKenzie Gore up and he's going to be in the uh, the bullpen and he's going to be for save opportunities. Who knows? I'm worried about a semi-ish regular um, turnaround. Leverage yeah, in, in Yeah, exactly. A semi-leverage type of situation with Pomeranz. So I'm just not going to view him as a top five moving forward, but, you know, 
He's still great. He's still good. I just yeah, yeah. It. He's still good. I just you're you're absolutely right about this. Yates going down. Pomeranz is the dude, but he's gonna be he's gonna be leveraged some some days. So he's not gonna get every single opportunity like you know in a role as Chapman or guys like that. So yeah. oh god, isn't like leverage and committee having those words just become trash to you now? I hate. I think those save words. is trash. I think it should just all be holds. Really? Well, well. I mean, I'd like to compare you versus the wins crew. There's the people that like scream about. Oh, I'm not. I'm, well, I'm not, Kenta I'm Maeda. Kenta Maeda had the wins people uh, out in full force when he lost the no hitter or the whatever. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, no hitter yeah, in the, the no, eighth no, inning. Right. Um, the no, the no wins crew was yeah, screaming. We did it. Yeah, 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 yeah I know. That, you and way. I, we Bogman and I literally <laughs> tuned into the game in the at bat. Bogman got at the at bat the minute I logged on to the game. The ball was coming off of Sogard's bat for a hit, and I was just like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm done." <laughs> Guess <laughs> and, I'm the bad luck, right? <laughs> Bogman's like, "We did it. We ruined it." <laughs> but like the wins, no wins, people versus the save to holds people is pretty interesting. And th- this, I feel like this year has them out in full force. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't so, like either one. I just keep uh, give yeah, me saves and give both, me wins. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I like saves, but it's becoming a trash stat. You know, just like the the wins are. What's because- more trash than? To you, uh, wins are still more trash. Yeah, they're they're still way more trash. But saves are, saves are I just when the that. guy comes in, in the ninth. I mean, you could face seven, eight, nine. It's always been that way, I know. But there at least used to be a little bit of a difference now, and it and there's just not. You know, now guys are being used in different weird situations, and it it probably never should have been a thing to begin with the save, but because it is it's hard to get rid of these things yeah. you know I mean, i'd say yeah wins is easily replaceable with quality starts but i like i like saves because it defines a specific role of closers the holds just like i don't know it just opens up no i know you don't market. like the stat but it's the same thing so you know you know what i mean yeah so yeah, yeah. It, it's the same deal it's just in a different inning so so but some of those closers will tell you the ninth is just harder yeah. so jd martinez knows? he got pulled from tuesday's game due to some dehydration he's uh missing wednesday as well chris bryant got an injection for that left wrist on tuesday he's also been struggling bryant it's kind of a lost year uh for his value um should be dipping a little bit in dynasty as well i, I would still be comfortable picking him up but we are now coming on like multi years of disappointment for bryant so Mm, you know, it's going away a little bit. Salvador Perez, <laughs> it was removed from Monday night's game against the Twins due to a recurrence of blurred vision in his left eye. He I had would, it the game before, dude, too. Dude, I would immediately be like, well, this is it. I have cancer. This is probably COVID. Like, <laughs> if I just walked around with blurred vision, I had that one time, and it was terrifying. But it also can and, occur and from, like, cancer. I mean, I don't know. I didn't go to the doctor. If I have, oh, I probably oh, have cancer, oh. but I just don't even want to know. Yeah. That's probably yeah, why I, I uh, fear it. I had that. I've had that a couple times Cancer? before too. Well, uh, no. Well, maybe. Who knows? But uh, the um, uh, d- just like blurriness in, in my vision when I was doing yard work and stuff. I specifically remember one time I was moving a cactus and I couldn't see anything, and my uncle was screaming yeah. at me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Only in Arizona I, we do that. I know what you're talking about, where you like bend down and you come up and you're just like, "Whoop, see ya!" Like. Well, not gone. dizzy. No, no, it wasn't like dizzy like that. I know what you're talking about, but it was just I, I was I, I was having it was probably a precursor to a heat stroke. I didn't have a heat stroke because as soon as I got done moving the cactus, I didn't do anything else and drank a bunch of water and stuff. But uh, I, I think it, it it's probably just conditioning heat related, you know, guys yeah. coming off the knee injury. So it couldn't do as much. 
in the offseason. So that's probably just hopefully it's Pres- not anything major. No, and Salvi's been really good, but keep on the watch out for that. Uh, Jeff Passan reports and writes both on the Cleveland pitchers that Zach Plesak would need to stay on an option for 18 days to have his service time uh, impacted. That's been part of, I mean, Plesak and his dumb comments and Clevenger. We found out that uh, Oliver Perez had threatened to opt out if both of the guys weren't sent away. And it was first it was like, you know, a veteran player. And then we found out it was uh, Oliver Perez. And Jeff Passan also writes that Mike Clevenger would fall one day short of reaching four years of service time if the Indians keep him optioned at their alternate training site for 20 days. So both are still down there. Both could be affected. And I've seen some articles pop up that are very interesting about a potential trade of Clevenger as well, that with the trades looming up and uh, would you like Luke Weaver? Yeah. Well, Diamondbacks were implicated in that as well. I I say, could we interest you in a Robbie Ray and a prospect for Clevenger? I give you Robbie Ray and anything else that you want. Name a, name a, name a pitcher. In the organization that is not named Zach Gallen, you can have that and Robbie Ray for right. Mike Clevenger. <laughs> How about Madison Bumgarner and Robbie Ray? How about well, we yeah, it'd be one? great. So be on the lookout that I, I don't think Plesak's going to be a trade option, but I definitely I think Clevenger is. But there's going to be a big fight if they're kept down. Can't go to dinner together if they're not uh, in on the same team together. So see, and smart. I think I think you need to separate them. Uh, Padres plays Tommy Pham on the ten day IO with a fractured oh. hammock bone. So sucks. see ya. Uh, David Dahl was scratched. LOL. I mean, not. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be mean, but like you know, I mean, rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. David, yeah, yep, yep, cyclical yep. David Dahl. We call him with lower back tightness. Um, and the Indians optioned Oscar Mercado to their site. You know, we we've had some that very happened so fast, dude. It was like. Right before the season started, uh, he's going to hit nine. He's not going to hit one. That was kind of the, and everyone's like, all right, well, I guess he could earn his way back up to one. And he just went the opposite yeah. route and earned his way back down to the alternates. You're seeing so. some bigger names because Malik Smith is another one of those. They uh, Mariners option him, Indians option Mercado. And those were both relatively important pieces to those teams. So teams are not afraid uh, to jump off. I mean, I guess the Braves were the first to do it with Fulty. They're just like, nope. Like they just didn't care anymore. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> they had had more than enough. They're just goodbye. Well, but it's just like one start. They're like, no, I'm not going to do this. A uh, couple other quick notes. Charlie Morton threw a successful bullpen session on Tuesday. Could be coming back soon. Mike Moustakis activated here on Wednesday as Nick Sinzel is put on the COVID IL. I didn't actually see it was the COVID IL. I know it was the IL. So is that so he's got the he's got the um, Rona? I might have wrote that down wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw it was uh, because mm. they didn't have an injury designation for him. Now so that you're not like- sure, I'm going to say it's not. Um, Let's see. It was uh, it's yeah, it's just the injured, injured list. list. Um, it says uh, Cincinnati did have an unnamed player po- test positive for COVID last Friday. It's easy to speculate what might be happening. So it's not it's official. official. You are speculating. Bogman yeah. is making news here. I'm speculating, but I'm a hundred percent correct. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree too much with that. Yeah. Uh, David Peterson, who had been pitching pretty well for the Mets on the ten day IL with shoulder fatigue. Jose Iglesias on the 10-day. Uh, Brendan McKay, if you were hoping for him, season-ending shoulder surgery. Yeah. That should affect uh, prospectness for him. Yeah. Howie Kendrick still on the sidelines. Elvis Andrus was out of the lineup for a couple days here. Uh, second straight day was on Tuesday. Josh Donaldson, a successful workout on Monday. He could be coming back soon. And then how about this last one here? Matt Harvey. Uh, you've already seen it, I guess. Made his debut on Wednesday night in a doubleheader against the Reds. The Dark Knight returns. I'm here in Kansas City. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I'm don't here know to defeat COVID. 
Uh, how great would it be if he went like seven innings and struck out ten when people just amazing. lose their mind? I potentially have COVID, but Adrian Adrian Lima left me, so I just stay in my hotel all day. Who, but I'm who here. Is it? Adrian who Lima. It it's Adrian Lima. Oh. <laughs> Adrian Lima. I'm here oh, to defeat. No. I'm here to Kansas City to defeat Nick Senzel and this uh, this COVID outbreak that the Reds are bringing upon us. <laughs> That's what he's here for. Uh, all right, Matt Knight. Uh, Matt Matt Harvey. Matt Knight. We will. Matt Knight. That's right. <laughs> Matt Knight. See you, Matt Knight. I was going to say Fat Knight, and then I said Matt. So yeah, you know that it'll happen. So yeah, I mean, I bet he's probably looking pretty good. He's probably not uh probably no Lance Lynn or anything like that. So we'll see how he pitches. <laughs> I would hope not. No, there's not many people that can look like Lance Lynn and be successful. I'm not even successful on the treadmill, and I look like Lance Lynn. No, so not really successful in anything. But uh, let's successfully get our boy. It's Paul Spore time. We'll finish this fun train with Polly Spore right now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You want to punch me right now, but you won't. Why don't you punch me in the face? Punch me in the face! Hey, Derek, you know what's always good for shoulder pain? What? If you lick my in this league. Holly Spore in the house. No Bogman, though. Bogman, uh, he's been canceled, uh, everybody. I, I apologize. Fine. Bogman's officially canceled. No, he had a scheduling conflict, so Bogman's not going to be fault. here. You it's can okay. trust me. My it's fault. okay. What were you Double doing, fault. though? Tell, tell everybody what you were doing. I'm at MLB The Show League um, that they're running with content creators, and I had a game that I completely forgot we had. And You were smashing dingers is what you were doing. I, I actually did do well. I won 11 to 2. So Okay, that was, that, that was actually the most important thing I was going to ask I got, you. I got to 2 and 2 on the season. Did you uh, at least win? Yeah, yeah, got to 2 and 2. So we're sitting nice. But, uh, yeah, you know, and I felt weird when, when you and I said our time. I was like, I feel like I have something else, but I don't know what it is. I looked at my calendar. There was nothing on there because I didn't put the game on there. So, yeah, that's, what, that's why we're not with Boggs. Tell Boggs I miss him and I love him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and, and everyone should know. Paul was just like, we could do like another time, so we get Boggs on there. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, we're we're good. We're good. Let's, we'll, yeah, yeah. Bogman's canceled. He's officially canceled uh, uh, forever. So I'm glad that you won that. Of Thank course, you. you know where to fall. You know where to find uh, Potley Spore on Twitter at Spore, and it's always a good time. We got a whole lot to talk about, and very, very fun. Actually, the first thing might be the shirt that you're wearing because uh, only our Patreon people will get to see the lieutenants are above. We do have the video. Spore on this video, there's really two incredible things happening. First off, the t-shirt, Kelly Kapowski. It is a magnificent t-shirt. And I have to ask, where can I get one? I mean, just search Kelly Kapowski shirt. I bet it's I bet it's still online. It's a it's a relatively popular shirt. I got I've had mine for a while now. Um, it's always a conversation starter for sure. Yeah. I mean, that was my first crush, like my first like full-on 
I'm in love with this person that I don't know as a uh, as an adolescent. And uh, let's be honest, Tiffany Amber Thiessen's still getting it done. So she can she can still uh, get it. I mean, yeah. I, I have searched Kelly Kapowski, but it's never ended. The N word wasn't shirt, so <laughs> or maybe lists would be where it has gone, Polly. And then the the mustache. What you're back to the mustache? When did this happen? I know I've seen pictures of it, but when did this yeah, happen? It's quick these days, you know, it doesn't take too long now. What's the what's the impetus? What's the impetus? Fired up. Why not? Is the real is the real uh, question? Is is why not? So when I feel like it, I just kind of let it run for a few days and here we are can i can i request i would like to see like a tony stark look could you pull a tony for me you know maybe just like get like some you know some uh i don't know what is it like some blades looking on the facial hair maybe get a little soul patch sometimes i rock oh see i I got nothing below the uh bottom lip it's it's really uh lip lettuce and that's it and some would say even my mustache sucks shit but um yeah it's there's nothing there's nothing happening on the face like it's splotchy as can be. This is as smooth as like so. They're already getting a little something. Like uh, you know, I shaved a couple of days ago, so it's already a little prickly on the chin here and up on the sides. But then literally right here, smooth as smooth as a baby's butt. It's like, like a, it's like the Joe Dirt in. thing. Like is it growing all white, trashy like yeah. that? Like it's the only place that it grows in. Exactly, exactly. It does grow in all white, trashy like that. So. You see, I don't have good. Like I can't grow it down here. It's all blotchy. I can get some of this, but I just don't. I, I don't know if maybe I could speak for both of us. I just don't have the right testosterone. I don't think to grow all the good facial hair. Yeah, so, something, something just a miss there. Uh, you We're know, beta males. I, I guess, but at least I can grow a mustache and I have a huge. So that's yeah. all right. <laughs> Boom. All right. Uh, how, uh, this is an important question that Bogman doesn't get to be a part of. How old are you, Paul? 38. Boom. Suck it, Bogman. Suck what did he that. Because uh, we were talking, we actually have two bets. One you don't get to know about, only the listeners know about right now. Okay. And then the second one was I, I was like, I'm pretty sure Paul is older. And he's like, you are wrong. Paul is, I'm pretty sure, two years younger. And I'm like, mm, no, I don't think so. No, Paul officially older. Right? Yeah, 38, baby. Let's go. Yeah, we were we were discussing like we both we all have the adolescence going to us. We act like children and stuff. True. The difference between you and us is like you are successful. You have successful things going (laughs) on. No, it's true. It's true. It's it's good success. So that's what we can appreciate. Uh, We got a lot to cover. Of course, this this is an important day. Casey Mize is going to be pitching here very shortly. And uh, I wish I could be selling people on the fact that like uh, <laughs> I should I wish I could sell people on the fact that they could watch with you because you have a live stream going of um, of Casey Mize. But it's already happened as people are listening to it. Exactly. And I, I wish we had been able to do that beforehand. We obviously have some Tiger stuff to talk about. You have some good articles that I want to um, I want to do a little jump off of. But I mentioned earlier in the episode, I'm already tired of the tattoo stuff. And I didn't yeah. want to do a whole bunch on it because like I reacted instantly. And then I became the selfish Twitter person where then when everyone else reacted, I'm like, oh, everyone won't shut up. This is so stupid. It's yeah, not me. Because you've already you've already done it. I'd already done the bit. But I, I told the audience if they hadn't paid attention to the one person I saw jump into the foray of it was uh, Phil Hughes and from Phil's polls and obviously more known as the pitcher in baseball. Mm-hmm. And Phil kind of did a defense. And I thought he did a poor job of the defense in that he used football and Literally, not that anyone's watching me, but in my ridiculousness of this, I even said, you think Belichick is holding back and not putting up 50 burgers and stuff? And he and he came to a defense in an odd way to me, and you jumped in 
And I sat back and like, this is perfect. You jumped into it where Phil was defending it and you didn't really hold back and to be like, no, you've got, you've got a wrong take on it. And I think you guys ended up coming to kind of a middle ground, but mm-hmm. talk about the, the spore versus Phil on the Tatis take. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause he, he was, he was pushing back on it and it, it seemed, it seemed like he was kind of doing a, uh, you know, well, what about football type of thing, defending baseball, which I've been known to do myself. Uh, when it comes to certain things, like when when football fans cry about how long foot baseball takes, like you couldn't pay me to watch a single football game, that drags on just as much as baseball. Um, and so I watch red zone only. So I understand like the nature of of wanting to defend your sport. But he said something about you know um, you know like running the clock out versus running up the score, and it's like well there's just there's a strategic advantage to slowing things down in football when you have a certain lead bleeding the clock because that becomes that becomes your uh your um that becomes the opponent's enemy at that point whoever's down when they when they run out of time it's over there's no time in baseball though so slowing down and and taking your foot off the gas for uh, the other team only helps them you know they might not come back a seven run lead is pretty insurmountable uh you know i i bet there's not a huge comeback rate on seven run leads with with um two innings left but it can happen and seven runs doesn't feel that impenetrable these days with all the home runs that we see so i don't see any reason to take your foot off the gas um and so i was like that that that's not a one to one comparison because there's no. actually viable reason to do it in football and not necessarily because the the counter is you know, go for passes and try to score again, which you could do and make it further out of reach in football. You could also throw a pick six and completely flip the game. If you're up 21, but you keep going and you throw a pick six, now it's 14 and you tighten up and and the other team starts to get some momentum. Like, hey, we're back in this because those idiots are throwing on us. Even at 28, I think it's the same type of thing. We've How many, how many you know, I watch Red Zone every week. How, how many big comebacks are there every single week? The last hour from like two Two 2.30 to 3, 3.30 area um, central time is just this craziness on red zone of all these teams coming back that were dead, quote unquote dead, because we still pretend that 21 points is some big lead. Draining out the clock has vi- viable reasons behind it. Taking your foot off the gas in baseball does not. It's just no. to protect the little feelings of uh, clowns like Woodward. And I, I just don't agree with it. And, and undercutting Tatis like that makes no sense to me. The only little pushback that I got that I thought had some viability to it from a from a um, Twitter user was somebody saying that maybe Tingler and Tatis were kind of putting on a little bit of a show with regards to Tingler kind of going at Tatis and then Tatis apologizing to prevent the little baby Rangers from throwing at them a bunch. Maybe maybe they were eating it, saying, "You know what? We were wrong. Sorry about it." Yeah, but that's still bullcrap. That's still I, I totally agree with that. But at least there would be a little bit of sense. I still don't even fully buy it. I'm just saying that would be the only thing I would accept. Yeah, but, to but me, you know what, T- Tingler. Well, I didn't mean to it, but Tingler also the the total uh, BS part of it was the next day when Tingler got so much of the backlash, and then he's like, you know, guys, like. It's it. It wasn't really about him hitting the grand slam on a it thrill. Was, it was. It was more about the not getting the take call, and it's like then take off. care of that off. Then yeah. You see, to me, it's like take care of that offline. Then one hundred percent. You don't make a big statement person. about it. You went grand slam. That's awesome. You're a badass. But if you do that in a playoff game and you miss a three zero take and you pop up and you and you cost us an inning, that's a problem. You need to understand when the signs are coming in. You're not above the signs. If that's the real reason that Tingler's mad. 
I can get behind that, but you handle that in private. It's the yeah. standard management rule, whether you're running a, a, a clothing store or a team. Praise in public, critique in private. Like there's, there's no value. And it's not about being a snowflake or protecting feelings. It's just about running a smooth operation. You're, if you're lighting everybody up in, in public all the time, you're a piece of garbage. Nobody wants to work for you. Again, whether it's a sporting team or something as small as, you know, convenience store or, or whatever shop. Um, so yeah, that's why nothing really works for Tingler as far as I'm concerned, except for maybe that shred of possibility that maybe they're putting on a show for the Rangers because of the little titty babies that get up get their feelings hurt, start throwing baseballs at people. Yeah, I and mean, you don't need Machado taking one in the ear hole or Tatis himself, or even somebody like Hosmer, who's, you know, not like some centerpiece player, but he is one of the leaders of the team that they might throw at. So that's the only little protection that he might have, which he didn't even say that that's why. Because obviously he wouldn't come out and say that. It's sometimes amazing to me that like baseball is just the one that can't get off the old they guard. Ju- you know, they the just foot- shoot themselves in the foot with this dumb Fo- shit all football, the time. Yeah, dude, football has got football has got like you know the old crew dudes, but then at the same time you'll get you know the Chip Kellys and you're get the Wildcats and you're going to mm-hmm. get completely different innovative offenses that are going to happen. Basketball has completely reformed the game where you wouldn't see a big man over seven foot shooting a three pointer in the nineties. Now if you can't shoot threes and you can't hit 28 to 30 percent from a three-point line you don't work at that position and all so baseball is the only one that hasn't figured out how to conform and continues to hold to the old guard stuff and to even start pressing like if when you see manny machado's face when he hits that home run get frustrated that's like that was my face at seeing manny machado get frustrated it's it's pretty ridiculous but i also like that if anything you push back a little bit with uh with Phil on it, it, as you should, as it should be, you know, and and he took it in stride. He didn't, you know, get, get big time or anything like that. We had a nice little conversation. Um, And I think in the end, we kind of got closer to, to an agreement of what we were, what we were thinking there. And um, you know, again, it's not that football's above critiques. They do some unwritten stupid stuff too, where there would be some titty babies who would cry about a team, quote unquote, running it up. This is professional sports though. Stop me. Why do I have to give up? Because you're not playing like that doesn't make any sense. I don't I almost feel like you're patronizing me if you if, I don't need your charity. You know, I, I don't need you to let up. That's how me. I would feel. That's what I would yeah. feel. be like. Don't just stop just because you don't want me to feel bad. Like that would actually make me more mad. Exactly. I wouldn't want to be throwing at them. I'd be more pissed off. But, you know, it's I don't know. Are there unwritten rules in fantasy? You think what are the unwritten because unwritten rules? It's so garbage. Tiresome. Don't send garbage offers. Okay. Um, you know, just like embarrassingly bad offers. Isn't that subjective? Um, to a degree. I'm yeah, talking about true. the ones that are just like, are you are you kidding me? I'm not talking about ones that like I would accept and you want it, and we have a big disagreement on it. Yeah. I'm talking about like, the obvious. Like Scooble for Degrom. Yeah. Like, don't do that. You know, don't like, don't waste my time with that stuff. Like any anything. Um, Anthony Santander for Acuna. Come on. Even in a sixty-game season with <laughs> Santander, pretty good. But I'm just kidding, amazing, yeah. but like, yeah. don't like that. You, you know, yeah. I think that's that's an insulting kind of kind of thing. Maybe that's one of them. For me, uh, a written rule should be don't veto unless it's collusion. In which case, just kick them out and move on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just voting with your own self-interest, like a sour grapes little bitch. Um, I have no use for vetoes that, except in the form of cheating. And in which case, you just kick the members out anyway. Otherwise, you're just impressing your player values on everybody else. There is no room for vetoes except to root out collusion, in which case the players should not be in the league anymore because you're accusing them of cheating. 
at that point. But 100%. you don't you don't just take people's trades off the table because you don't agree with the with the player valuations if it's done in good faith. Um, but yeah, any others? Um, you know, maybe an unwritten rule is like keep keep a good lineup. You know, keep keep a full lineup. Oh yeah, don't, don't like venture starters in like a dynasty. Like if you're out of it, like that one's a pretty yeah. lame one. Like not doing yeah. your lineups. Like um and yeah, get the injured guys out. Um, you know, especially on a six month. When we hit this point, if if this were a normal season, we'd be hitting this point where football's ramping up and things. People are starting to tire out. I don't care if you're 50 points back in a row. Please just keep your full lineup in. You don't have to go in and do f- five hours of bids every week. Just make sure you have healthy guys playing. Yeah. Keep 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 your points. Keep your volume moving forward. Don't just sit there with a dead team. I think that's probably an unwritten rule that should be a little bit more written and open. I'm like, please do that. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. I, I don't know if there's any others, but it'd be interesting. If there are, tweet us uh, at is it the Welsh and at Spore. I'm, I'm curious if people think there's any other unwritten fantasy rules that that uh, we all kind of abide by. But hey, if you want a f-ing rule, write it down. The, unwritten, it down. the idea of an unwritten rule is stupid anyway. I 100% agree. I'm so sick of all of them. Um, all right. Let's get into some stuff. What, uh, by the way, what's going, what's going down over on Sleeper on the Bust? What have you been, what have you been up to? You've been writing some badass articles. You and Justin keep pounding it out. You're doing, you're doing the fantasy lords work there, Paul. But what's, uh, what's on the horizon? Hey, we've just been working uh, a lot of news, a lot of news and notes uh, episodes lately, where that's enough to not really have like a main topic. Yeah, we did do like surprising hitters recently, and then slumping stars, uh, and kind of talked through them and said, hey, you know, how do we feel about these guys? Not like. Not like Cody Bellinger, because there's nothing actionable there. You just have to ride that out. But more of like the David Dahl, Alberto Mondesi, Josh Bell type guys that were struggling. Talked about them. And then another episode, like I said, where we did rising hitters like um, Jake Cronenworth, Jacoby mm. Jones, Kyle mm. Lewis, guys like that. My, my most liked thing I've done for whatever reason in the last two months is me tweeting I love Jake Cronenworth. That's it's all awesome, I tweeted. Dude. And that's just everybody that that was the thing. So now I'm I'm trying to figure out my new system, Paul, of like <laughs> what what's my what's my branch of tweeting? Apparently it's just tweeting obscure players and just saying I love them. And then people love it. People will take it. So hey, he's awesome, man. He's really he and, and credit to those who were on him uh early. He had his band of believers who were in on him when the trade was made of like, Hey, keep an eye on this guy. Yeah. Like I knew who he was. I knew he was in the trade. I knew he was a hitter pitcher type from last year with the Rays, but I wasn't really in on him as far as like keep an eye on him for, for fantasy. But the second that he kind of hit the ground running as a Hosmer fill in, um, I, I jumped on him. And the reason I did was because I knew that some people would see it as short term and think, Hey, once Hosmer comes back, he's done, but he plays a bunch of spots. So I knew that he, they could figure some other things out based on how well he was hitting. He's basically taken that second base job. And now with fam out Profar can keep playing. I mean, not that they necessarily need to keep playing and he has not been good, but if you were worried about like, well, they're not going to take uh Profar out and that's why Cronenworth can't play every day. Well, now Profar can play left. Yeah. Cronenworth plays second. Cronenworth's playing every day. Well, and that was that was my big thing with him. Like, you could immediately see how hard he was hitting the ball, and I wasn't in on the trade, not necessarily just because you know he wasn't exciting, but it was because of depth. You know, Ty France had a really great year last year, yeah, and he's a player it. that could move from first. He could also play some second. They had brought in Profar during spring training. They'd even also brought in Brian Dozier, so they were really going every route they possibly could without going Jake Cronenworth. So to me, that started to say a lot. Then when the season comes in, you start to see. 
oh, they're using him in a multifaceted role. So as soon as you started seeing the hard hit numbers and then pointed a spot, that's where I started to talk about him a couple weeks ago. And then now it's solidified itself in a really great place. And he's an yeah. exciting player. And that's why these conversations are good. And we're actually we're going to talk about a really cool article that you did was your 40% up and 60% cut. Essentially, guys that were under 40% owned uh, that you should pick up and guys that were over 60% owned that you could cut. There's an article over on Rotographs that you can check out. I put together something under the same guys and I picked players that were under 30% that maybe we're adding and over 60% that we should look at cutting. So Excellent. that's something uh, we will be doing here in just a little bit. But I got to get your uh, thoughts because you're on here. I'm, I'm just so disappointed I didn't push to tomorrow so we could have talked about Casey Mize. But let's yeah. talk about Tariq Skubal because okay. Skubal made his debut and I know highly touted. One of those things that I actually felt pretty good about, Paul, because uh, in the preseason, I had said I thought Skubal, it's, it's a defunct type of thing or de facto, but like I thought Skubal would be the first one up of mm -hmm. all the guys. And technically I'm right, but it didn't matter because it was Skubal and Mize. From a performance standpoint, he got his ass hit up because sure. none of his off-speed stuff was working. Uh, he wasn't commanding well, so the fastball just didn't have anything on him. But he is a very exciting player. Uh, give me your initial thoughts after seeing Scooble. You know, what did you think of him as a player? And do you think there's viability for this season in potentially owning him? It was undoubtedly rough for Scooble, but I do think that there is reasons to to stay interested. And, in, you know, he's not going to be available in most leagues until this Sunday, unless you do daily transactions or you could pick him up on spec uh, last week. But uh, well, NFBC, for example, says you can't pick up a guy until they debut. So he's going to be available this week. Now, he does start Sunday, and if he goes up, it goes out and beasts out, then his price will go back up. But if he's yeah. if he's better but but still kind of like, eh, I think the price is going to be interesting to the point where Scooble is going to be pretty affordable, and I think I would jump in. I mean, he did get wrecked by a really strong offense in the White Sox, uh, but he didn't walk the yard. It was more hits all over the place. Like you said, he wasn't commanding, but it wasn't that he was super wild. And one thing that I was really heartened by was – Throughout the entire game, he only pitched two innings, and then the rest of the game they kept cutting to him. Rick Anderson was at his hip, the pitching coach, just talking to him. And I loved seeing, you know, you never know what the conversation is, but it certainly looked like he was just sitting there as a sponge absorbing all this information about it. And you could tell that he was bummed with how he performed. Obviously, who wouldn't be when you get rocked in your first start? But I think he's going to bounce back and be really – solid and possibly be an all formats kind of guy he does have strikeout upside again we didn't get to see it but those that want to judge him off of one start even if it had gone the other way even if it was like six shutout innings and you want to pretend that he's an ace like christian javier like people did with christian javier <laughs> that would be wrong too but particularly when it's a really bad start if people just want to move away from scooble fine i'll be there to scoop it up because i'm not particularly concerned that scooble this is yeah, I will scoople him up because I'm not I'm not concerned that this is some uh, flop all of a sudden. He's got no. four pitches. The three secondaries were all used 10-plus percent. You love to see that. That's a deep arsenal with four different velo levels. I think there can be a lot of success here, particularly with the strikeout rate once he settles in. The nerves had to be off the charts, and you never know how a guy's going to react to those nerves. We don't know if Mize tonight is going to be ready to kind of handle it and 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 be chill and calm, or if he will get uh, consumed by the nerves. I feel like I'd be th wanting to throw up the entire game on a major league debut. No doubt. You know, it seems like I mean, with my that, cut, with my cutter, I probably would feel oh okay, God. but I, I mean, I'd feel pretty. You would good give about up it. fourteen <laughs> hits. In six no. at bats. That's right. No, you, you way. more hits than at bats. There, there's no. Well, I mean, that might be possible. That you would get 
destroyed by the closest high school team to to you. I'm going to throw that Adrian Morion change up. I'm going to just knuckle it in. It's going to look pretty. They they would eat your cutter for lunch. I I swear, one of these days when human beings can interact with each other again and we can travel, we are going to have to. It is going to be Welsh versus Sporer. You're going to hit me in the face. I won't. I would command. But you get to throw. We'll each get three at-bats. Okay. And we'll just go boom, boom, boom. I pitch to you. You I'm pitch to me. I'm probably going to hit you. Not on purpose. I, I don't have. I oh, don't you purport mean- <laughs> to have command. But I think your cutter is going to dome me in the ear hole here. And you're like, that one didn't cut. My bad. I'm going <laughs> to. It, it didn't cut. It was a little scooball. So uh, back to scooball. What I think is interesting in what you said is you're right. The stuff looked good. The secondaries look good. They just weren't commanded. And the problem with that is he could never set up the fastball. So he's exactly. not going to be. So all those guys, they're not swinging at any of that bull crap. And they're just sitting on fastball and they hit him up. That's what I like about what you're saying. What's interesting about it is I think the rookie pitchers this year have been really difficult to deal with. Yes. Um, they've been really difficult to manage and people's expectations goes really high. Nate Pearson is a perfect example where I'm I've, I'm not as in love as everybody is on Nate Pearson. Uh, he's also backed off of being the power pitcher that I had seen him in the past, but it was to get higher command, which is a good yeah. thing. I mean, but he was already... working 103 and everything. Exactly. Didn't he hit the IL, by the way. Didn't but that, the and, that, and that's the point. And so he started to struggle. He just hit the IL. You've got Derek Skubal who got hit up a little bit. There's no McKenzie Gore right now. What? Mm-hmm. And I think Skubal is going to be a bigger strikeout option than Casey Mize, maybe even this year into the future. But I could see Casey. This is a you know, a, a pre-future for Casey Mize. What is it going? I could see him, Mize, having a decent game here. The splitter is going to be really, if he's commanding the splitter, people are going to have a hell of a time. Yeah. What, from a performance standpoint for Mize, is it going to take for you to be all in on all formats, if anything? And what is going to scare you off on all formats of anything? You could just say, hey, listen, nothing's going to do anything here because it's well, one performance, but what is it going to take on both ends for you to be um, for Mize? I pretty much already got my thoughts that I'm that I'm relatively interested in in Mize in all formats as is. He goes out and walks like four or five, though, in, in a couple innings. I'll have an issue with that, and that will give me a little bit of pause because command and control is supposed to kind of be his calling card there. But even if he goes out and he's like, five innings, three, four runs, five, six strikeouts, I will find that to be a remarkably successful outing. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm thinking we're going to get. If we get anything better than that, that'd be amazing. I mean, that's not even a quality start, five innings, three, four runs. Um, but I would take that. And he shows that he's like in command, particularly if it's like one of those ones that you see where the trajectory is. He gives up a couple runs in the first and then settles down for the next uh, four innings. I'd really like to see something like that if he's going to have to give up runs or if he gives up the runs late because he's running out of gas. It's when you're giving up a run or two for multiple innings that is a little bit of a concern for me where it's like every inning something was going wrong. So if the production that Chicago has is confined to an inning or maybe the front and back end of the start, I'll be really heartened by that. But I'm going to go for him in just about every uh, every format. If he goes crazy on bid, though, I am not. I'm not going to bend over backwards. So if if people are putting three, four hundred, they can have him. But I, I, I yeah. so I almost want kind of five innings, four runs, four strikeouts. Where you people want like, are like a Spencer Howard performance, where yeah, it's something, like something like, like how- decent. 
Yeah, yeah, because Howard was command. Like, I still love Spencer Howard. Now he's a little bit banged. He had that blister issue in the last start. But, like, Spencer Howard, to me, he's getting hit a little bit, but you can see his command. You can see him commanding around the plate. And his problem is, is because he commands so much, he stays around the plate. So mm-hmm. if his stuff, and he, if he makes any mistakes, and that has been, at least the starts I've watched of, of uh, Spencer Howard, his calling card has been one mistake. It's getting whacked because he's staying around the zone. He needs to learn to toy a little bit, ra- uh, little bit more outside the zone. But exactly. his stuff looks good. That's the same thing I would like to see. And I agree with you. I'd like to see from Mize is I'd like to, to see him be able to stay around the zone, be able to move from pitch to pitch. If he makes a mistake or two and it gets to three or four runs and he walks two, but he strikes out four or five and he can go deeper in and not have a 50 pitch inning. Those are all big pluses for me. And I think like what you're saying is you might go the like, what would you say? Like 15, 20% fab route. If the performance is good, you think that's the yeah. ticket or maybe a little bit more? Yeah, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on how much pitching I need. But otherwise, yeah, I'm kind of living in that 15 to 20% range. I'm obviously going to get in the triple-digit bids this week, or else you're not going to get them. But uh, I'm just not going to. I'm just not going to put the farm on him because I don't think that he's like a league winner type. And you've talked about how rookie pitching has not been that great this year, yeah. and I don't expect him to necessarily break that mold. I think Mize will be a solid guy. Um, the Tigers actually have a little bit of a bullpen that can support him. Normally when you get a Tigers starter, you're like, well, they better have a big lead because the bullpen isn't going to hold it. Tigers actually have some bullpen guys. Um, I'm not expecting major wins anyway. I don't think that the Tigers are good. I know they were playing a little frisky at the beginning of the year, but I I don't buy it. Um, and, and they've lost six in a row now anyway. But, yeah, I'm going to go for Mize in, in most leagues in the triple-digit range, somewhere in the 150 to two. 225 range, depending on how tonight goes and what I think I need to put based on this start. Yeah, I like that. Uh, speaking of the bullpen, actually, this this kind of leads in because I have a Tigers question. And I know someone we want to talk about. One of the articles you can check out over at Rotographs, and maybe we can dig in, is like a, this is a follow-up to the piece, is you were talking about a new crop of closers. So this mm-hmm. is kind of like a speculative close um, uh, question that comes up. And I think you had put this in before it happened about how like Jordan Romero was one of those speculative. And then he ends up kind of being one of those guys that you would go and pick up. You've got some interesting names in there. Obviously, you know, the closing spot has been, um, Yeah, it's been ass, as uh, our boy Lance McCullers would say. It's been total ass this entire season to deal with. And sometimes you hit it uh, and you get the guy, uh, you get Britain early on. And sometimes you you speculate, you know, on losers like uh, Jairo Diaz and uh, a million other losers that I speculated on. When it looked like he was the guy in KC. Thankfully, he didn't melt down, but they just stopped, you know, going to him. Trevor Rosenthal kind of usurped him and... uh, you know, so yeah, you could have hit on you could have hit on Montero, who's gotten five saves and five outings since he's come yeah. back. Britain, like you said, who was a fill-in and he's been the best closer in the game. By the way, you can make a case that they should just stick with him. Well, that's uh, what I, not, I bet, dude. I, I've to, been, but I've been screaming about. I've been screaming about it. Just keep uh, put Chapman in some early leverage situations. Let him be Let an him, environment. Yeah, who cares? Please don't don't screw with it. So. In the article, it's a, it's a great article, and I, and I want you to throw out any other names that may have come up out, come up after you've done it. But there were three that jumped out to me, and I, I'd like to get your take on how aggressive you want to be. You put Karen Check on there with the Indians, who's super fun. Brad Hand has been dicey. I know you just yeah, picked up a save recently. Yeah, he's been a little bit up and down, but it, it, it's it's been okay. He's a closer of the future. Greg Soto is someone you're probably referring to on why the bullpen with the Tigers has been decent. He was actually in the fall league this past year and was throwing yes, some fight. He, he's very actually similar to uh, Darwinson Hernandez, if people know him with the Boston Red Sox, where in short fill-ins, he can throw absolute fire. Oh, and then you've also... 
And you also got like Josh Stamont, who, mm-hmm. you know, Stamont has been, he was built three, four years ago to be a closer because he can throw a hundred and he has one pitch and he'll walk everybody. But those three guys are good dynasty options. But how would you order them if you are save speculating for this year? And then if there are there any other big save speculators that you would want to push over them? So start with those three. I probably put them in the in the order that you just had there. Okay. Uh, Karen Jack Soto, Stomont. Um, Joe Jimenez has not been great for the Tigers, but he's going to get a pretty good runway. First off, again, they're not some major contender right now. And you go look and you say, well, 563 ERA, he's been, he's been terrible. Takes a couple crummy outings as a closer to have a, a high ERA right now. He has one three-earned run outing. That alone does it. He's given up five runs. Three of them came in one outing. That that alone boosts your ERA. But he has a one twenty. Uh, excuse me, has a one thirteen WHIP. Does uh, Jimenez? He's twenty five years old. They see him as kind of the guy of the future. Not to mention Soto's a lefty. There's a lefty bias against closers. Just not so much that they can't do it, but rather that they want them to be available for the key lefty in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, whenever that spot comes up. I just feel like Jimenez would be a trade option with the trade line, trade deadline coming up. Tigers, you know, dropping games as a future piece to where they wouldn't want to trade him unless somebody came and blew their socks off. Because that's the thing right now. It's like, well, how much are you going to get via trade for like a rental? Like Robbie Ray, I know he finally had a good start, so that helps. But like, what are you really going to get for him as a rental in a sixty-game season? Now with Jimenez. You're getting him for many years. So if the Tigers were open to trading him, and they probably should be because it's a reliever. Like you shouldn't you shouldn't plan to have a reliever next week, let alone six years down the line. Um, and I, I, he's only he's only on them through 2024. So I don't want to take it too far. Uh, but you know, you get multiple years out of him. The Tigers could feasibly trade him, uh, or they should at least be open to it, but I don't think that they will. I don't think that they will. If they did, of course, Soto would jump to the top of that list yeah. and he would be absolutely somebody you could go for. We talked about how hands been up and down, but I do think another blip from him where two out of three outings are really bad or two in a row, I think Karen Check would then really start to slide in and, and get more opportunities. It, it could almost be the way we saw Pomerantz kind of inch his way in, then boom, he had the job, especially because Yates got hurt. So I think something like that. And then with uh, Stomont, I, I kind of buy Rosenthal a bit. I, I have a soft spot for him. I'll freely admit that. I, I actually was really, really, really hoping that he would do what he's been doing this year with the Tigers last year when they picked him up. I knew I knew it. I, I knew he still had some juice in the tank. I was just confident in it. And it might have just been blind confidence because, like I said, I like Trevor Rosenthal. But last year was his first year back from the TJ, and he was brutal in 15 and the 30s. There's no two ways around it. But he was only 30 coming into this year. So maybe the Tigers should have held him another year just to see and he looks he looks like the st louis iteration right now and he's been excellent uh so i think he's going to get some decent runway too so i think of the three hand is probably the wobbliest um because they're also a a prime contender they know that they can't blow games their offense sucks so bad right now they can't afford to blow any games where they have a lead so if hand blows two out of three or something like i said two in a row i do think karen check would get the get, get the save there so i think those three um I think you highlight them properly. Now, I did put some older guys in there just for this year to kind of have like a, a Soria, a Soria, and a Jake McGee. Like those are those are veteran guys. We know what they are, but they've been awesome this year. So you could use them as fill-ins. Tanner Rainey is somebody to keep an eye out on too. Um, Daniel Hudson was somebody that Justin and I were were propping up. We like Sean Doolittle a lot, 
but we were saying get Daniel Hudson. If you're, if you're going to draft Doolittle, you better draft Hudson, and you might even just pass Doolittle to take Hudson. And he had been great up until his last outing where he got he got obliterated. So now, now all of a sudden his numbers look terrible. And again, uh, four runs in two-thirds of an inning can really do that to you. He's only allowed runs in two outings this year, Hudson has. It's been three runs and four runs. I mean, that's going to destroy your ERA for a good while. But he has seven scoreless outings beyond that. So I don't think he's on wobbly ground just because of that bad recent outing. But Tanner Rainey is kind of the next big thing for the Nats. So I would keep an eye on him. I do like Devin Williams in Milwaukee, but they have Josh Hader, one of the brightest closers going right now. And I still think think that we're done with Hader as fireman. I think that they're ready to make sure that he is the full-on closer now for the That's next Pomeranz now. That's now Pomeranz takes a new, uh, in my eyes, the new hater role where it's like, can he just close all the time and they'll just yes. leverage him out? Or Nick Anderson, I guess, would be the Nick real. Nick Anderson's but he's with Tampa Bay, so you know no. that they're not going to just put him in are, the role. Are you going to let the insanity of this year change your view on closers next year? Or, I mean, I, you little, can say that positively or negatively, however yeah, I said that. Just that um, we've already been kind of going this route. Right, we've been starting to inch this yeah. route where more and more guys get saves every year. Teams are starting to. It's weird, right? Because my my brain loves when managers maximize their reliever strategies and they bring in their best guy in the seventh inning because the bases are loaded with one out. But if that's the closer and he's on my team, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get that save now. But I have to be intellectually honest and be like, well, that is the right move. Um, it's just a bummer for fantasy. But we've yeah. seen more and more teams do that. And this year, it's a quicker leash because there's only 60 games. But I think we're going to see it even more. And uh, so, yeah, I am going to take – that's probably going to be the one thing I take away something from this year. Everything else as far as, like, the stats, if anyone tries to quote me 60-game stats next year as to why somebody is a, a stud or not, <laughs> I'm punching them in the throat. I'm throat punching, dude. I'm Like, I got a long reach. I'm not very tough. I'm built you like do a have a long reach. Side but I have long reach. You will not reach me because I will be throat punching you repeatedly for telling me about somebody's 250 plate appearance sample as to why they're a superstar now. I like that. Put that on a shirt. Everyone put their Fernando Tatis garbage on a shirt. Put your, put your uh, 60 game stats. I'll throat punch you. That's your, exactly. uh, that's exactly. your shirt. I mean, By the way, know, I have to acknowledge some of the stuff, but like, you got to be careful because these are still going to be small samples by the end of the year. Think yeah. about where we are two months into a normal season going into June. We don't know everything. We start, you know, the studs that are still struggling, we say stick with them. Um, and they, a lot of times bounce back. So we're not even, that's all we're getting this year, 60 games. So it's going to be crazy. I'm sorry to yeah. cut you off. What were you no, say? no, no. I was just going to say, when you were saying like, uh, you are imposing, like uh, if people haven't been around Paul, uh, you know, I'm six foot four and Paul is like, are you six, six? I'm six, five. Yeah, like okay. It's so kept maybe, me out of trouble because I have a big mouth, and people think because I'm tall that I'm like gonna fight. I think people would like see you and like just a picture on Twitter, and they you know they'll just assume like skinny guy, and they'll just be like, oh, is he like five ten? Paul's like six foot five, and it's it, you and I are a weird combo too because I'm a big dude and I'm six foot four. You're taller than me, and you're like a buck fifty wet, something like that, right? Buck, like, buck I'm 60? Built, like, built like a stop sign, one sixty five. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, pretty good. All right. So don't guess mine. Uh, we'll be okay without that. Uh, so an imposing force. So let's talk for you. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. You make me feel a little bit better. So thank you very much. Um, this article I really liked, and this was something that Bogman and I were talking about. I like the idea, and we've been promoting this for a couple weeks now, that people really need to get their brains around quick trigger fingers this mm-hmm. season. I think we've hit it enough where you know, you could start to worry less about players that have these great preseason values and redraft, and you can read a little bit more into smaller performance sizes because, yeah, maybe this guy isn't real, but he might do it for 70% of the season. And at that point, then cut bait after. So you had this article where it was the guys under 40% that you would be looking at picking up and over 60 to cut. So I put together some, uh, it's a good article. People can go check it out. And I don't think any of these guys showed up, but, you know, forgive me and you'll tell me. No if problem. They did. No problem. Yeah, it comes out every week, too. So, like, I got no problem with you if there's any repeats or anything. But th- these are worth talking about because I think my biggest issue with pickup articles is they don't tell you anybody about talk to anything about cutting guys. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing when you see like Anthony Santander out on the wire. If you had all the hot uh, outfielders to start. You might have known he was a good pickup, but you didn't know who to cut for him. Or Mike Yastrzemski, you're like, that is a good player, but who yeah. the heck am I going to cut? I've got, I've got Blackman, uh, Whit Merrifield, um, uh, you know, Ron Lacuna, who I can't cut. You know, maybe, maybe you, maybe you have three outfielders that are already elite, or five if it's a five outfield. You got Trent Grisham off to a great start. I wanted to bring on some things about like these are the guys you can start talking about cutting right now. You don't have to, but if you see a need and you need to f- get rid of somebody, here's who you can cut. So yeah. let, uh, I'm eager to hear who you have. Yeah, and it's and it's been a plus for me because I've, I've had a quicker trigger finger, and you know it's, it's helped me in acquiring Cronenworth and Dominic Smith. You know Those yes. are a couple of players that I've been able to get on quick, and it's really been helpful in, um, in just going through this process of not tying myself so much to this. So I went over the last two weeks. I pulled mostly Yahoo percentage numbers. I think I have one ESPN on there. And I was just going through – And to find my system was averaging what these guys have done, not over the season, but the last two weeks. And then to kind of see where they lay out to pick and choose. And then obviously their ownership isn't affected by the two weeks. So first one up here is a guy that is 30% owned in Yahoo. It is Robbie Grossman, who has four homers, four stolen bases, 10 runs, 11 RBIs, hitting 286 on the year. And then over the last two weeks, he has all four of those homers with two stolen bases. All of his runs have come over the last two weeks, hitting 306. So again, I don't remember if he showed up in the article, but he is a hot name over the last couple, uh, at least the last couple days. So talk to me about this 30% owned outfielder. Must pick up? Grossman's been fantastic. I do think he has a must pick up right now because he's playing and he's really kind of pushed um, Chris Davis out of the lineup, whether he's DHing or playing left and then somebody else DHs. Um, and Grossman is getting that playing time. He sits every once in a while against lefties, but I'll take a strong side platoon guy who's performing like this. You know, he's always had a great plate approach with a decent strikeout rate uh, or good strikeout rate and an elite walk rate. And you're always like, man, this guy should be better. Like there's, there's something here. Well, now he's attacking the ball and really hitting it all over the place with power. And that's the biggest factor right now is that he's jumping on, on hittable pitches more often. So I think part of his walk rate in the past was built on being a little bit passive, maybe just going up there looking for a walk. Now he's still getting his walks, but he's absolutely crushing the ball when he gets his pitch, whether that's early in the count or late. And that's what I like to see out of Grossman Rice right now. I buy into it. I will say that Oakland always has a little bit of a, um, uh, you know, built in, uh, not love's not the word, like, 
you know, I give them the benefit of the doubt, right? There's certain teams when yeah, they discover somebody like Tampa Bay, uh, the Dodgers, you buy in a little bit quicker because you're like, well, they, they're doing it right, so I buy in. Um, you know, and Grossman's not some young buck. He's 30 years old, but the fact that they kept giving him playing time and now he's performing, I'm like, yeah, I buy into this. So the fact that he's still only 30% for the roster rate, I think is way too low. Um, he is a full-time starter, like I said, every once in a while against lefties, or, or for the most part against lefties, he sits, but they're not facing a ton of lefties. So even if you're only getting a strong side platoon guy, He's doing enough damage with the bat that you got to have Robbie Grossman on your roster somewhere. This is another good one. This guy is owned in Yahoo less than Robbie Grossman. Cole Calhoun, 29% owned. Over the last two weeks, if you go look on Yahoo's formatted, just normal 5 by 5 he's the 15th best player ranked. He's got a 269 average. Six of his seven homers have come over the last two weeks. 12 runs, 16 RBIs. Those are just... The and not that there's like that many. Well, no, there's about 30 more at bats. The last two weeks have been fire 17 homers, 18 RBIs on the year, only 29% owned. Cole Calhoun, I mean, Cole Calhoun is a must. He doesn't steal like Robbie Grossman, but there are a lot of underperforming outfielders that you could be cutting for uh, Calhoun. Exactly. And that's the thing, too, is that, you know, you can make a move for somebody like Calhoun, particularly if your batting average is on point, but you're not getting the power because he is still only hitting 238. But let's not focus on what he isn't doing uh, and make it uh, overshadow what he is doing, because it was the same thing last year. He only had 232, but he popped 33 homers. He's got seven homers and a 238 average. Figure out the average piece especially because everybody's batting average is down this year. Some of the batting averages totals for, for whole fantasy teams are laughably low. So don't get hung up on the fact that he's not hitting for a prime batting average. Take the big power. The Diamondbacks are surging right now. This was a team I loved coming into the year, and they got off to a brutal start. And I was like, dang, did I really get this one yep. that wrong? Uh, you know, I thought, you know, I thought they had a guy who was going to be a solid starter every day, all five days, and obviously um, only Gallon and Merrill Kelly have lived up to that. The rest have been a nightmare. Uh, but Weaver was good his last time out. And, uh, you know, we'll see We'll see if Ray and Weaver can, can steady the ship a little bit. But I thought they had a decent bullpen with some good pieces and then some pieces that they kind of had to work their way through. But then I thought the lineup was going to be underratedly strong. And it was awful to start. But now they've really started to click, and Cole Calhoun's been a big piece of that atop the lineup. I'm definitely picking him up, particularly if I need power. And you almost always need power. You can almost never have too much power. Maybe if you're somebody who just clicked on every good, big power guy and your batting average is poor, maybe you can't add him. Maybe he, he's not a fit for you. But for the vast majority of teams, Cole Calhoun is going to be a fit because you can, you can almost never have too much pop. Here's a, t- here's a much, much, much less owned player. Actually, only... I believe 1% on Yahoo and I think 4% on ESPN. He's got a 260 batting average over the last two weeks. 21 of his 24 total season at bats have come over the last two weeks. Starts in five of his last seven games. He also has four stolen bases in that time. Magnara Sierra in Miami. Magnara Sierra in the last five games he's played, he has three stolen bases, five RBIs, seven runs on the year. Monte Harrison is struggling. Brinson is struggling and Sierra is getting the playing time and the stolen bases. He's way, way, way low percent owned. But if you're trying to battle for some stolen bases defensively, he's as good of an option. They can't keep putting Monte Harrison out there. 
I, I mean, he he's an empty homer total right now, Spore. Yeah, but do no you think here. do you think Sierra is a guy when you're trying to battle for some batting average, playing time, and stolen bases? Is a guy that you could be picking him up and playing him over probably a multitude of guys post 150, right? Yeah, I think there's a real there's a real interesting fit here, and there's certain people whose teams are going to have a perfect fit for Sierra. Obviously, you need to have your power on lock because he is basically a zero in that spot for you, and that's tough to hold. So, if if again, if your power's on lock and you just need uh, speed, even if the batting average, even if you don't necessarily uh, believe that that's totally going to stick at three thirty three. That's fine. If you just need the speed and playing time, because like you said, he's playing every day now pretty much since the, the first week in August. Now now he's getting burned every single day and running like crazy. If speed is the one thing that you really need to get going and you can fit him in where everything else is kind of going the right way, Sierra is an interesting play, particularly in deeper formats. I, pro- I think there's probably still somebody else in 10 and a lot of 12-teamers, but 15-team totally. and NL only, Sierra is definitely somebody I'm looking at to get that speed. The one the one tool he's always had is the blazing speed, and it's helped him in, with defense as well. And defense can keep you in the lineup. Uh, he's walking a bit. I mean, it's only five walks but that's been yielding a 15% rate right now. And he doesn't strike out a ton, uh, only 12% this year, only 17% last year, small sample. But yeah, I think Sierra is an interesting play for you deeper league folks who need some speed because speed is so precious. And you want to know what? Here's a play for you. All you guys that just lost Malik Smith to the alt site, who he is Malik Smith. You go dump Malik Smith's ass because you don't need him anymore. And you pick up Magnus Sierra. And guess what? You have lost nothing. Probably gained nothing. Yep. You, you, you've probably gained at that point. So I think that's a great call out. And I love the, the cut there to go for Sierra. You're, you're, you're basically getting a hotter uh, Malik Smith right now and you ride Sierra until it falls off. And maybe it doesn't, maybe he keeps going all year and steals double digit bases the rest of the way. It's, it's, it's unlikely, but it's possible. And it's just a good play here and, and why you should be looking at the, these totals. Uh, this is the last under 40% and it's going to be a battle between two players. One okay. is Kevin Gossman who was 24% owned in Yahoo, had a huge game, 11 strikeouts in his last one, versus a guy that I, I was gushing about, and I'm not the first, many others have done it before, but Pablo Lopez, who coming into or post, post-last Pablo Lopez's last start, he was third in the league in swinging strike percentage at 17%, which was absurd. It was only three starts. And then, if I remember correctly, he was inside the top 10 of the lowest given up hard hit percentage. He was like number seven, only 25% hard hit rate he was giving up. Again, small sample size. You don't want to go too crazy about it. But what he's doing is a really exciting level. He's only 38% owned in ESPN. So Gossman versus Pablo Lopez, if you are in the under 40% owned, which one are you going to take? Boy, this is really difficult because I, I do like both, and I, I had a lot of love for Pablo Lopez coming into the year. Gossman, I was making him show me because I've been on the Gossman train for years, and this year I was just kind of like, I got to see something first. I'm not going to buy sight unseen. Well, he's been excellent. The velo's amped up. The splitter's cooking right now, and I'm inclined. Boy, this is really a talent. I, they're both talented. But do I want Lopez's talent edge? I think he's a little bit better than Gosman. Do I want the talent edge or the easier schedule? And it's not an easy schedule. It's easier. 
uh, between the East versus the West. The East is just a bear every night, though. Out, I mean, even you know the Orioles were, were expected to be the bottom-feeding team. They have a top-seven offense, Welsh. It's unbelievable what they're doing right now. We talked about Anthony Santander. He's one of several O's who's cooking right now, so you don't really get a break in the East. Meanwhile, Gosman gets his home ballpark, which is already great to pitch in, and get some better teams to face in that West. Again, not easy. You have, you have to go to Colorado Dodgers, every once in a while. Rockies, yeah. The Dodgers are, are dope. The Padres can can do it to you. The A's, the Astros, even though they're not playing their best. So it's not easy. I don't want to suggest that the West is easy. So you know what? In the end, I'm just going to take the guy I believe is more talented, which is Lopez by a shred for me. I believe in his walk rate. Uh, because he's been doing it forever, whereas uh, Gossman's always been a solid walk rate guy. He's amped it up this year, meaning he's lowered it. He's, he's amped up how much he's stifling walks. The one thing I have an issue with is the volatility of splitters. I love splitters when they're cooking. It's probably my favorite pitch in baseball to watch uh, because it can be so nasty when the bottom falls out and they get guys flailing over the top of it. But it's very volatile. You have to have a lot of guys talk about how you have to have these calluses to make it work. And if one of them pops open or something like that, you can really lose the feel. And that's why we've seen these ups and downs from Gosman. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and go Lopez here uh, because I do think he's a little bit more stable. I do like both if you can find a way. But if you're making me pick Gosman's still giving up homers. He's got a volatile splitter. Give me Pablo Lopez by a shred. I'm in agreement with you and uh, take all that splitter conversation and uh, see me Casey Mize a little bit later and a couple starts and how that's going to go. So mm-hmm. this will be a little bit easier. These are, I picked four players over 60%. We don't have to go crazy, but really the question is going to be, are you holding or are you cutting? Okay. And the first one guys actually back tonight in a double header, Eugenio Suarez, who is 89% owned in leagues. And obviously, you know, Suarez is a beast. He's an absolute beast. We've always loved the uh, we've always loved the big power numbers from him, uh, and that's you know the big play that you're doing. But he struggled. He has two homers on the year, hitting 123. As we're recording this in the first game, he's 0 for two, uh, seven runs, six RBIs, eight for 65 on the season, 89 percent owned. Paul Spore, do you hold or do you cut Eugenio Suarez? I'm still holding, okay? Um, he's just coming back because uh, they're coming back off a little bit of a COVID scare. It wasn't a full-on meltdown uh, for them, but it's a little bit of a scare. I'm going to sit tight here and keep uh, a Eugenio Suarez for at least another week. And generally, you would want to give him longer. But if it's another week of hitting you know, under 150, if dude can't even hit my weight, then I have to consider dropping him because there is power out there to be had, particularly at third base. So this is it, it's a short sample. It, I, I hate to be so tough on him, but he's got about six, seven more games here to start turning the tide on it. And here's what I do, too. If I'm going to if I have Suarez and I'm really focused on this, I'm also going to look at the underlying numbers. I'm going to go to Savant and check out the hard hits on his outs. If he's lacing the ball into some outs, but they're 95 plus barrels. OK. But I need the hits to start falling or and or the the little fire emojis that they put next to your name on uh, on on the bo- in the box scores on baseball savant. If I don't see that, I'm out after next week. 
Yeah. I, and I, I mean, I don't disagree at all. Um, I think it could even be sooner. I mean, I'm looking at a 12 team league I play in that has Kyle Seeger and uh, Donovan Solano that are both available and they are just wildly outperforming. So you hate to cut bait on the potential power on it, but I wouldn't blame anybody that wanted to cut bait on this one. Now, how about uh, this guy here? This has actually been a topic of conversation that I was very negative on. And of course, anytime I'm negative that game, they then go bonkers. <laughs> they and kill it. Yeah. Super. Yeah. But Elvis Andrus, who is 61%, he's actually changed a full percent over the hour that I put these together, uh, 61% owned in Yahoo. He had, does have three stolen bases on the year, but is only 14 for 76, hitting 184. A little bit banged up as well. And I don't know about you, but I've had some IL issues, especially in like Yahoo leagues, where just holding guys around and, and just going down this entire process doesn't make sense. I'd have dumped his ass for Cronenworth last week. But what say you? He's still over 60%. So hold or cut Elvis Andrus? He gone. He actually appeared in one of my articles. Uh, I think it was the first or second one uh, as a potential cut. Yes, he is doing one of the things that you really wanted him to do, which is which is the, the stolen bases there with three of them. But there's nothing else around it. And you're supposed to get like a decent average, a little bit of punch. You don't expect major power, but you expect a little bit of something. I got to move on. Shortstop's the deepest position we have. There's speed out there to be found. I'm passing. Yeah, I am uh, I am definitely with you on this one. This one could be a little bit tougher. 76% owned. He has four homers. He is one of the big hard-hitting guys, but he's only hitting 172 on the season with 10 runs, 8 RBIs. He's 11 for 64. Miguel Sano, are you going to cut or are you going to hold Miguel Sano? I've never been a big Miguel Sano guy. Me neither. But this is going to be an easier one for me to cut. Uh, like you say, he does have the four homers. And so he actually is pretty close to being average. He has a, a 90 OPS plus. That's like one big game away from being over 100, which you don't want just a 100. You want something above that. I mean, he's a career 121, and he had a 140 last year. That said, there are a few things easier to replace than a – low batting average power guy right now. We just talked about Cole Calhoun. I know they don't play the same exact position, but hopefully you can finagle your stuff around. If you've been listening to me throughout the offseason or for the, any of the last few years, I've been preaching to get positional flexibility guys for this very reason so that you can maneuver stuff around and that way you can pick up just about anybody. I know it's not easy to do all the time, and I'm not You know what, this year, Dylan Moore, uh, Donovan Solano, Jay Cronin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's guys all over the place. Max Muncy, DJ Omega, who uh, Jeff McNeil from the draft? Like, there's guys all over the place that you should have that can move all over the all over the joints so that you can pick up somebody from the outfield to replace your third baseman by finagling everybody else around. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and move him. And we're talking 10 and 12 team leagues with these cuts here. But I will cut Miguel Sano. I hate to give up a piece of that great offense, but a 172 average man, like four homers and eight ribbies, just ain't doing it for me when yeah. when when you're that inept otherwise. This last one is a pitcher. He does not have a start all season with uh, an ERA in-game under six. Okay. He is 64% owned. He has a 9.64 ERA, a 1.89 whip. Not great, Bob. His name is Matthew Boyd. Are you going to hold or Bye. cut? <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Bye. Yep. Now, Alicia, I'm cutting him, man. Here's the thing. He's so maddening to watch right now. Yeah. At bat to at bat. You, you, you can't believe it's the same guy. A devastating strikeout on, on five pitches with, with two devastating sliders and a painted fastball. 
wow, this guy's awesome. The next at bat, a cement mixer piece of slider that gets hit 700 feet the other way. It is at bat to at bat with this guy right now. It is unbelievable the volatility that this guy is showing. He needs to go to the Astros. He needs to go to the Indians. He needs to go to somewhere that can manage him as a pitcher because I just don't think Detroit can do that right now. And, and you know, I'm not even necessarily going to put it on Detroit. I, I, I just think I just think that, that the volatility with his pop, with his uh, the home runs that he allows makes him too difficult to have right now. And you, you can't take – the problem is, especially if you're in like these overall contests like the Rotowire Online Championship or NFBC, one devastating outing can take you out of the overall. As, as over-the-top as that sounds, an eight-earned run outing might be the end for you. You can still win your league, but it, that might be enough to like take you out of the overall contest. And Home Dude has a 964. Like you said, he has two seven-earned run outings. It's devastating. It is brutal. Poly Spore, that's all we got, man. What? Uh, anything else? Anything? Anything hey. that people need to know? No, nah, I think we covered it. It's at Spore mm-hmm. on Twitter, at Spore on Twitch. I'm working six days a week on that. It's actually gonna be a little bit lighter this week. Gonna go help my mom. Um, we're we're getting everything moved out of the house, so we're moving her up closer to where my my brother, uh, my sister, and I live. And uh, so I'll have a couple days off as far as the Twitch goes. But otherwise, man, grinding it out, working nonstop. You're the and, grinder, uh, dude. You're my guy. You're uh, always doing it. Uh, whether you guys should all be watching because Spore also has got like a cool, unique uh, element of different games that pop up when you do the poker. You know, I jumped in that one yeah. night with you. You guys are rocking poker on there. One we'll of the be best back. Twitch people out there. Next week, if you're if you're available, do it. Uh, what day? Saturdays or Sundays better for you? Which one's better? Um, I don't know. Ditch my family, whatever day. Probably Saturday. Saturday is what we're, we're leaning though because uh, we got a lot of fantasy folks in there and doing the moves on Sundays. Yeah. You know, they need to kind of have that time right when I would be starting to like making sure that they got all the injuries covered and all this and that, myself included, by the way. So I think Saturdays are where we're going to be for the next couple of weeks, starting back up next week. This week's again going to be off. I'm going to be out of town until Sunday evening. And then when I come home on Sunday, I'm probably just passing poker. Let's do some poker again. People tune in. We'll we'll be doing it. Stay tuned. I put them on Twitter whenever I do it. And uh, I'll send you and Boggs directly uh, to, to jump in because I love that. All you have to do is sign up pokerstars.net. Make sure it's the free one. And then you can jump in and it's 10 bucks that we, we, we handle the money offline because we can't do money yeah. in the States here. Because yeah, we, we have an ITL version of this that we've done in the past. We have, we've laid off of it for a couple months, but we got the, the home league stuff that's fun yeah, to play. Home it's good game. stuff. Because uh, heaven forbid we're allowed to spend our money however the f- we want in this country. I know. So it's, we have to, we have to I thought certain. this is America. I know this is America. By the way, you took the over on uh, I set the cuss tone. On cussing. I, I knew I, it. When you said yeah. I couldn't know it, I knew it was I cussing. I didn't amp it up. I just kept No, running. no, but, but you know us. I want you to be natural. I want you to do what you want. What do you think I set the over under at? 15. Oh, no, no, no. I'm realistic. Bogman thought you were going to go insane. You did, you did hit the over, though. I want to tell you that. I said at three and a half. Because I thought oh, you'll naturally yeah. knock too early and then just depends where the conversation goes. You and me like to have fun and I want you to feel comfortable. So you hit the over. So anybody that was playing the over uh, cash, the uh, cash those at the uh, register. You're good. The over go. was minus like 400 though. You had to lay pretty big. <laughs> That's you pretty good. Over on that. Yeah. The under bet, they were hoping that I would shut my mouth and just, uh, and behave, but you know, he just kind of comes yeah. out and again. You guys have always allowed me to be free with it. So there we go. You're our guy. You're our guy. All right. Uh, that is the episode, friendos. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We always love Paul. Go and check him out on all the stuff. Sleeper on the bust on the Twitter. Make sure you check out the Twitch. 
You can check me at Is It The Welsh and, of course, Bogman over at Bogman Sports, where I get back again on Monday so we can do the uh, live edition of the podcast where uh, – not the actual live, but, you know, like the live weekend edition where we're dropping you on Monday. That is all, friendos, in this league.com for the Patreon. For Paul Spore, I am Chris Welsh. Bogman, he's canceled. Bye-bye now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.